Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and this and every Saturday we come to you with discussions about the culture, the moment, the mission, really how we can be faithful and fruitful in the work of Christ in the world. And today, particularly, well, in America, we're t- it's around that Thanksgiving time. So we're going to talk about thankfulness and gratitude and more. I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the dean at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And for every Saturday this time, I'm your host. Let me remind you, if you're listening live, we're so glad you are. But you can also subscribe to the podcast. And you can do that by going to edstetzerlive.com because maybe you're not every Saturday at this time available. But you can always listen to the podcast because we have some wonderful guests, including a friend of many years. Anne Voskamp is our guest today. We're super excited to have her on the program. She's a Canadian author, blogger, uh, and writer, and just in speaker. I can't think of like 10 other ways to describe her. But for me, she's a friend, and we're so thankful. We were I uh, got to know her really well as she walked through a master's degree uh, there at Wheaton College when I was the dean and her occasional professor. She's written many books, including the New York Times bestseller, 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully, Right Where You Are, as well as the Broken Way, A Daring Path into the Abundant Life, and Waymaker, Finding the Way to the Life that You've Always Dreamed of. She's married to Daryl. They have seven children. Daryl the farmer. They have seven children, and they literally live on a farm in Ontario, which is just so amazing. And thanks for joining us and talking about gratitude and Thanksgiving today. So, so, so good always to be with you, Dr. Setzer. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's Thanksgiving in America, not that October Canadian Thanksgiving <laughs> that, that, that the, you up north do. And I should full disclose, my, my wife, Anne knows this, my wife's Canadian, so we like to celebrate yes. Thanksgiving every time we can. My three kids are <laughs> dual citizens as well. But, but, you know, for Americans, it's, you know, right now is... Well, in a sense, it's the beginning of the holiday season, yes. which some people dread and some people have joy. Mm. And in the midst mm. of all this, man, how do we find things in the midst of deadlines and debt and mm. drama mm. And, and even sadness? You know, uh, all these yeah. things uh, the holidays represent to us. Let's talk a little bit about, about joy, gratitude and thankfulness in all of those things. You know, Ed, I think even this year, it's even more... Um, tender and poignant for all of us to gather our, I mean, here in Canada, I have such high esteem for Americans who can celebrate Thanksgiving, the end of November, and move right into Advent and Christmas. I'm grateful that up here in Canada, we have a longer runway. We celebrate Thanksgiving the beginning of October, and then get ourselves turned around towards Advent. But regardless of Canadian, American, anywhere in the world right now, giving thanks is um, very tender and complicated in the midst of um, war and unknown future and increasing polarization and our own complicated stories. I think the idea of coming, we look at Thanksgiving as a date on the calendar, something that we do, but what does it look like to have a posture of Thanksgiving in a very fractured, polarized world and when our own hearts are breaking and I I think I just always turn back to scripture and where is the first time we actually see Thanksgiving in scripture um and it's actually mentioned as a Thanksgiving offering and actually that Thanksgiving offering was part of the peace offering and which seems um particularly um (laughs) poignant this time of year uh when we just see so many global um, 
all kinds of conflict. What does it look like to give thanks and find peace in the midst of all of this? And really, it's what scripture telling us is that no one actually really receives the peace of God without giving thanks to God. And what does that actually look like? Um, there were actually 10 offerings of bread in every thanks offerings for the Israelites. And the first, the first of those offerings was like crackers. Like the second is like wafers. And they, they were just known for like thinness. And that was for the Israelites was the order of thanksgiving. And the thanks began for the thin things, the wafer things that almost like, like they weren't there, like non-existent. And the way the people of God give thanks is first to give thanks for even the meager and the unlikely. And then, only then, it, it was this Thanksgiving for the leavened bread. And you kind of wonder, looking back at the Israelites, like leaven and yeast, that, that scene in scripture is like the um, impure, the unwanted. Why would leaven be included as part of the thanks offering? And to realize as we get to Thanksgiving, we sit around those tables to realize that authentic thanks is always for all things. Because God is actually needing all things into goodness, needing all things into a bread that sustains. Um, we, we don't give thanks to God because of how we feel. We give thanks because of who God is. And it's a, it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And a sacrifice, it means to sacrifice our understanding of what is good, sacrifice our understanding of what is beneficial, and to thank God in the midst of everything because he's benevolent and he is good. Can, so when we gather around those Thanksgiving tables this year, can we think about, okay, if I want to be part of a, a peace story in the world right now, a shalom story in the world, can I bring my offering of thanks, my offering of thanks for, for meager things, thin things that don't even look like they exist? Will it be my, my sacrifice of thanksgiving that I am I'm sacrificing my understanding of what is good and trusting that God is going to take even the things that I don't think are gifts, even the things that I don't think are good? Can I give thanks for those because I am trusting in the goodness of God, the character of God, that he is redeeming even this? Mm. Which, is, which is so challenging mm. at times yes. and you know we're Donna and I were just sitting down yesterday and we're looking we're looking at the holidays so no this this program will air uh the Saturday right after Thanksgiving and we're yes. trying to plan what happens after that so and the reason we're trying mm -hmm. to plan this is that you know my my mother is a widow over as, as of two months ago her mother is a widow as, oh, of, as so of last sorry. week and so, so we're trying oh, to figure my. out so much grief Ed oh yeah yeah and it's like so, and you know, you're also trying to figure out. You don't want your, you don't want your your newly widowed mothers, hers and mine, to be alone on Christmas. Yet you also know yes. that there's going to be processing that's there. So you know, oh. times of grief. You've walked through grief. We've we've all yes. kind of experienced some level of that. Yes. And the holidays for a lot of our listeners is a time that they dread because oh. of grief. So, yes. but how do we walk through? How do we walk through a verse that says, "Be you know, in, in all things give thanks." Um, you know, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First Thessalonians fifteen, sixteen through eighteen. How how do we do that? That's a bit of a beautiful part of what you've written, even in your own journey. Well, I think, I th yes, my own journey. Um, actually, my own journey it begins with so much grief. My very first memory is being um, four years old, 
standing at the kitchen sink with my mother washing dishes looking out the kitchen sink window and in front of both my mother and I my little 18 month old sister was um, walking across the farmyard after a stray cat and a service truck in her farmyard didn't see her and um mm. and ran over her and crushed and killed her in front of my mother and I and I as a young child uh, the world was an incredibly terrifying place where the most incomprehensible horrific things could happen right in front of your eyes. I grew up as a very terrified child. Um, and by the time I was in my, I had an ulcer by the time I was in grade two and was hospitalized for the ulcer. And by the time I was in my teens, I was cutting through my teens. Um, I was diagnosed with um, agoraphobia, having panic attacks um, by the time I was 19, just really struggled with um, fear terror and um, a story that really started with so much grief and trauma and realizing that if I can, there is always, always, always something to be thankful for. Someone dared me. Could I write down a hundred things I was, um, that I loved. And as I started to write down a hundred things that I loved, I realized, oh, what I'm actually doing is I'm, I'm giving thanks right now. And I took the dare to write out a thousand things I loved, a thousand gifts and realizing that you can't simultaneously feel fear and gratitude at the same time. And I think in the midst of loss and grief, how do we find even one small thing to be grateful for? There is always, always, always something in the midst of the dark to be grateful for. And that that gratitude for one small thing, everything ultimately compounds. If we can go ahead and find one small thing to be grateful for, there's a little bit of light in the dark that is moving us to see that, oh look, the Lord is here at work. He is redeeming all of this. And so many people over the last 12 years since I've written 1,000 gifts and more than a million and a half other crazy people decided to pick up a pen and start writing down a thousand things that they were grateful for too. So many people said, you know, I, I've, so many people I've met face to face have confessed, you know, I was dealing with so much loss and so much grief, I really couldn't see my way through. I, I've sat with people who said, you know, I, I had a gun in my hand and really wanted to end it all. And um, I started this practice of picking up a pen instead and starting to write down, could I find just one thing a day that I was grateful for? And you turn back to scripture and we see um, we see those 10 lepers um, who the Lord had healed, and they went off out into the world, and only one comes back um, to give thanks. Only one comes back um, and threw himself at Jesus' feet and gives thanks, and he was the Samaritan. And, and Jesus says, you know, weren't, weren't all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Why is no one found to return and, and give thanks except this foreigner? And then Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Um, and I think in the midst of grief and loss and overwhelm and a very crazy world, what does it look like to be well when our hearts are breaking? Um, in the actual original language, that word well is it's so so when it means wholeness and and completeness. Um, Jesus, Jesus is saying that if we want to live the full life, the well life. We need so-so 
And he came to give us that. And when do we receive that? When we return and give thanks. That is actually your faith has saved you. You are made well when we return to thanksgiving, when we return to Jesus. And I am so thankful, Lord, for you. I'm so thankful. In the midst of our grief and our loss and the darkness, if we can remember, the one thing we can always, always, always give thanks for is Jesus Christ himself. Um, if we can return to, he has given us all, as the only son, how will he not give, also give us all the other things that we need? In that is wellness and wholeness. We're going to continue our conversation with Amboss Camp in just a moment. And again, this is a pre-recorded episode, and so we're not taking your calls, but we're having an important conversation about Thanksgiving and gratitude. Stay with us as we continue our conversation with Amboss Camp. Live. As I mentioned at the end of the last segment, we're actually in a pre-recorded program. It's Thanksgiving weekend here in America. Thanksgiving, by the way, is in October for our Canadian friends like Ann Voskamp and Donna Stetzer, my wife, and my kids. Anyway, so we're, um, you know, it's a great time to reflect on issues of gratitude and Thanksgiving and more. And if you're just joining us and to start off sharing some of our own story, I want to encourage you to, to listen through that conversation as well. And really, how do we find some joy? How do we find Thanksgiving and gratitude in the midst of these 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 difficult and often dark times as well. You know, it's interesting because we're pre-recording this program. We almost don't know what bad things are going to happen between now and then. And and if you, in 2019, you know, you were predicting a, a global pandemic and a war in Europe and a war in the Middle East and, you know, not probably far from now, a war in Asia and more, you, you would have been quite the predictor of the future. But we don't know, yet we know that that walking through a broken and hurting world leads to brokenness and struggle that's there. But also the holidays are supposed to be a time of great joy. They are a time of great joy. And, you know, our family loves the holidays as well. But the challenge is, is how do we find, you know, Christ-like living and joy in the midst of days when they're gritty, long, and just kind of plain old hard. So, Anne, you've written on this. You have a passion for this. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, we can lose focus around these holidays as well. I know that, you know, uh, we've already just passed Black Friday, um, you know, the, the Friday after Thanksgiving, which, you know, is called Black Friday because supposedly stores go into the black. Well, that's not necessarily true, but it sure feels like a lot of blackness around consumerism, you know, just a darkness around consumerism. So talk to us a little bit about how we stay focused on the things that matter in 2023 and beyond. I think, um, I think it, you're right. I do have a passion f- for what is it, how does it actually change our lives? In the last segment, we we're talking about Soto, that what is wellness and wholeness looks like and a, a life of scripture tells us that a life of wellness and wholeness is connected to, do we return to the Lord with thanksgiving? If we look at research, the secular world, overwhelming research indicates a life of gratitude is integral to a life of of wellness, of wholeness, of happiness. Um, So we know that from the research. They actually say that if you go ahead and you can pick up your pen and write down even just three things a day that you're grateful for, and three months later, if you do that for 30 days, three months later, you're going to be 25% happier. Who doesn't want 25% more happiness for free if you can pick up and just find one, two, three things a day to give thanks for? But I think sometimes um, 
we can be cynical. We can be jaded. I know I certainly have. And and giving thanks can feel um, like we're being Pollyannish, um, that we've got blinders on. Um, and, we, and we don't see the true state of the world. And I think it's really important as we pick up a pen and start to write down the things that we're grateful for to realize that giving thanks is only this. It's making the canyon of pain that is this world into a megaphone to proclaim the ultimate goodness of God. It isn't saying that all is well now. It is saying what we read in Romans 8, 28, he is working all things out together for good. When faith gives thanks in the middle of the story, when we choose to go ahead and have, live into a posture of gratitude, what we are saying is, I am giving thanks for God at work in the world. The story isn't yet over or finished. I think in my own life, I have too often thought, well, I, um, I, when I am grateful, I will give thanks and that will lead to joyfulness. When I have enough good circumstances in my life, when I can, um, when everything works out the way I would like it to work out, then I will give thanks and then I will be joyful. But the reality is when we are joyful from our circumstances, that isn't what makes us grateful. Ultimately, the, the reality is both from secular research indicates and what we read in scripture, it's when we are grateful that's what makes us joyful. We need to actually switch the paradigm around and not wait for we're joyful and then we'll go ahead and because if we are grateful, we will give thanks. But actually, can I go ahead and switch it? Go, no, I'm going to have a, a habit, a practice, a daily rhythm of looking for the goodness of God, looking for the gifts, because being grateful is what makes us joyful. Um, actually, Ed, I just, um, I just had uh, four days retreated into um, the desert in New Mexico, um, praying through the Psalms and sitting in silence for a retreat and uh, carrying that posture back out today and sitting down with them um, with the Psalms and actually this morning reading um, Psalm 42. And I just thought, oh, I so resonated with David as a psalmist. Why are you so full of heaviness, O oh my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Whether it's fresh grief that we're walking through, whether it's the state of the world, whether it's the unknown in front of all of us, who doesn't resonate with that? Then what does the psalmist say? Put your trust in God, for yet I will yet give. I choke up to saying it. I will yet give thanks to him who is the help of my countenance and my God. Not only does it say it once in Psalms 42, it finishes off the psalm with again, while my bones are being broken, my enemies mock me to my face. All day long they mock me and say to me, where now is your God? Psalmist turns to his soul again and says, why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him who is the help of my countenance and who is my God. What brings so so, so wholeness and wellness in the midst of our souls being completely downcast and our hearts broken over a very broken world? Do we have a, a posture, a way of life, a rhythm of life that keeps us looking for the ways God is at work? I think I've learned in my own life, Ed, I get a choice. It's either doxology or dark. I get to choose the way of Jesus who came at the Last Supper facing the cross, which is 
bearing all of the darkness and brokenness of all humanity from time immemorial on himself, the actual apex of darkness. And what does Jesus choose to do? He does exactly what I just read this morning in Psalms 42. He chooses to take the bread, see it as grace, give thanks for it, and then break it and pass that grace on out into the world. The word in Greek is uh, eucharisteo. Can I have a eucharistic life like Jesus? A life that gives thanks in the midst of everything. A life that, charis is that word, um, grace. Can I go ahead and see everything as grace? Eucharisteo, can I give thanks for it? And then therein is joy, Kara. I think that word right there, if it is what Jesus chose to do before the cross, when he was betrayed, I don't have a better way to walk into this world apart from the way Jesus chose a Eucharistic life of giving thanks, Ed. And it, you, you just casually mentioned that you were in the desert for four days. Now, I'm guessing yes. this wasn't like <laughs> this wasn't like Old Testament, like you're not, you don't have any water, you don't have any food. I'm guessing there was no, a retreat no, or but something. We didn't, uh, it, it was, but we did not. It, it's the it's the modern day version of that, Ed. There was no cell service. <laughs> oh yeah, which is the modern. That's true. How can you live with that? So tell us about that a little bit. You know, I, I think people are intrigued because one of the things that that you know, you and I were just mm-hmm. recently talking about spiritual formation, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. a practice of spiritual formation yeah. that leads to a sense of centering and gratitude. So talk yes. us a little bit about what you did there. Yeah. So um, uh, it was four days. Uh, uh, in New Mexico, you, you you leave the main road and you drive 13 miles into the desert um, to a monastery of um, f- somewhere half a, um, a dozen, 15 um, Benedictine monks who live a life of prayer, a rhythm of beginning at 4 a.m. with vigils to a compline at 7.35 of praying the Psalms. And we entered into that um, seven times a day. I think that's right. At six or seven times a day, pausing and praying through the Psalms and the Psalms. I mean, like I read for there from Psalms 42, the Psalms actually encapsulate our all of our pleas with God, our questioning of God, our grief, our lament, our heartache, personally and nationally, globally, I mean, to pray the Psalms, to um, to pause your life and pray the Psalms is, is to go ahead and to be honest about what it means to be a human in a very broken and continually heartbreaking world. And yet then, how do I turn my eyes upon God? And yet then, the psalmist over and over again, and I'll give thanks to the Lord. His love is everlasting. It is, again, when we see the we see the people, the Israelites, and you see it again in the Psalms over and over and over again. They go ahead and they recollect all that God has done for them and recount it. And I think in, in stopping to count our blessings, we are recounting all of the ways God's faithfulness has met us in the past. So then we know who we can count on in the future, that we this is a God we can trust in, who will provide and be our Jehovah Jireh and grant provision for whatever unknown is coming in the future. And when we come to that table of the Last Supper, and Jesus gives bread and gives thanks and passes the grace on out into the world, he asks us, do this in remembrance of me. 
do what? Yes, remember his sacrifice on the cross. Yes, remember it with thanksgiving. Live with such thanksgiving because no matter what else happens in the world, he has given us himself to to not only cover our sins, but to start the great revolution that starts to make all of the bad things, the sad things come untrue to redeem the cosmos. We can. There's always something to give thanks for. Ultimately and wholly, it is all in Christ who sacrificed himself for us. So then, if that is what he's asked us to keep remembering, every time we give thanks in a broken world where our hearts are continually breaking, that act of giving thanks is actually remembering us, putting back our broken parts and pieces of ourselves together to say, look at God is holding it all. God is redeeming it all. God is making all things well in the world. That is so-so. Remembering to give thanks, remembering to recount our blessings, remembers the broken parts of us, which brings us to wholeness and so-so in Christ alone, which is why, as we started this um, conversation off, uh, talking about what the Thanksgiving offering was before the peace offering. When we give thanks, we are remembered, brought to so-so, wholeness, which is ultimately shalom, wholeness. Fascinating. We're going to continue our conversation with Ann Voskamp. I think you'll be encouraged uh, as one of the things she talked about doing a gratitude list. We'll talk about that as well as we continue our conversation. You're listening to Ed Stetzer Live. This is a pre-recorded episode, so you can't call in, but nevertheless, some great content from my friend of many years, Ann Voskamp. I want to encourage you to continue to listen. Stay with us as we talk about Thanksgiving and gratitude this American Thanksgiving weekend. Hey, we're back with my friend Ann Voskamp. Uh, she's written Waymaker, Finding the Way to the Life You Always Dreamed of. I guess we're kind of circling a bit around her book, 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully Right Where You Are. But uh, part of why we're doing that is we're talking about the idea of being thankful for what we received and more. Um, one of the things, Ann, that you've talked about doing, and you've mentioned already, but is keeping a gratitude list. So if you don't mind, because you know we're Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we're kind of hopefully looking at a time for thankfulness when the rest of the world can get caught up in consumption and consumerism around the holidays, particularly the Christmas holidays. What are some of the benefits of keeping a gratitude list and how would you encourage people to even start that process? I, I think this is a perfect time to actually talk about it and because Thanksgiving isn't just meant to be a holiday. It's meant to be all of our days. It's meant to be the posture and the way that we actually live our lives. Um, you mentioned Waymaker. Um, the book that I wrote that really talks about more than just wanting a, a way to something, do we have a way of life that keeps us in the way himself? Um, and in that book I talk about, um, it's an acronym um, that has become my way of life, a, I a journaling practice, a, a way I try to keep my mind thinking through sacred, that acronym, um, and the D of sacred is actually doxology. So yes, um, Ed, for the last, oh, it must be almost 15 years now, I've kept a daily practice of going ahead and picking up a pen and writing down the things I'm grateful for. Um, Martin Luther says that Satan hates the use of pens. 
And I always see it as when I pick up that pen to go ahead and write down the things I'm grateful for, that this is my sword that I am using to to wield, to fight for joy, because um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if I lose my joy in him, I lose my strength in this day in moving forward. So how do I go ahead and pick up that pen, write down the things that I'm grateful for? Because um, joy is actually always a function of gratitude. And gratitude is always a function of perspective. And we often think that gratitude is actually a function of circumstances. And it's not. If I can shift my perspective to see things to be grateful for, that actually is what moves me towards joyfulness and actually does change my interior, internal circumstances. So actually, they say if you... um. If you can go ahead and pick up a pen, write down three things a day that you're grateful for, it is actually going to lower your cortisol levels, that's those stress levels, it's going to go ahead and bring down your blood pressure. The people that go ahead and, this to me this is wild, people that go ahead and practice gratitude are actually going to live on average seven years longer than people who don't. So I, I can't, but I'm actually going to pick up a pen and, and give thanks and actually um. This, uh, we just actually um, released a little book called um, Gratitude and Beatitudes that is um, a new practice for me to go ahead and write down the things I'm grateful for. It kind of is um, formatted as, you know, like those um, five-year diaries where you go ahead and write out what happened today and then like next year you're going to revisit it on that same date and then the next year with the... (laughs) <laughs> the payback and seeing is like you have to keep writing out the your diary for a full year to come back around. So we actually reformatted it. The concept is that uh, it's by month. So I write down what I'm grateful for um, this day in November, and then I will revisit that same page in December, and then I will, that on the same date and oh, the next nice. in January. So that you are actually going to be seeing the things that you were grateful for each day of the previous months on the 10th of the month or the 12th of the month or whatever. And I have found that it's actually it's been doing two things. Number one, I want to keep writing down the things I'm grateful for because I don't want to miss it because I don't want to get to that day the next month and I didn't write down what I was grateful for. So it's actually this <laughs> motivational factor all the time. But also it is, um, it's building right into a gratitude journal. Part of the power of writing down what you're grateful for is you see, oh, look it. Look how God has continually provided, and he has been Jehovah Jireh and so provisional. Thus, I can count on him, and it it actually grows my trust muscle, this practice of gratitude. But if you don't have a a way that you're constantly reviewing the things that you're grateful for, you really aren't building that trust muscle in him. And this way of going ahead and and writing down the things you're grateful for, you look every time, go, oh, look, I was grateful for this back in July on this date, and I was grateful for this in August of this date. And it is a way to literally do what we see um, the Israelites doing, what we see David and the Psalms doing. It is a way to recollect and remember the past goodness of God, which then, as we've mentioned, remembers us, puts us back together, and grows our courage and our hope in the future. So for me, I mean, I think this past summer I came across in my travels um, and speaking, there were three women this summer who almost have started counting right when the book came out because they were all between 28,000 and 31,000 things that they had given thanks for since they started um, reading 1,000 gifts when it was first released and writing out their gratitude journals. But I think when you go ahead and for me, after all these years writing out the things I was grateful for, it's been very powerful to have a built-in way where I am constantly reviewing the past things that I have been grateful for because I think gratitude is more than a feeling it is an actual posture and a way 
of living. And if I can get up in the morning and start with my scripture reading and my time of prayer, when I move to journaling, I'm going to start with gratitude. Starting the day with a grateful heart is the is the way you your day moves towards having a joyful heart throughout the day. And ultimately, what you focus on is what you become like. And my default, like we are just wired. We, are, we have this bias towards negativity. We have a bias towards threat. We have a bias towards what is the next terrible thing that could be coming at us so that we need to be prepared for it. But when you go ahead and you have a gratitude journal and you're practicing this habit of giving thanks, you're focusing on the good and you'll see more good everywhere to focus on. You're actually training your brain against that negative bias that we all naturally have towards looking towards, look at this is how God is at work. And that's the kind of training I need to keep working on day by day by day, because this is actually what's going to expand my joy. And just realizing that no amount of regret changes the past. No amount of anxiety is going to change all of that unknown future that we keep talking about. But any amount of grateful joy for the gift right now is going to change the present moment. Fascinating. And I, I think, you know, when I think of you, I think of ongoing growth in all these areas. So I, I find you mm. encouraging. <laughs> you you provoke uh, me to love and good deeds, as the writer of Hebrews mm, says. You know, mm, uh, mm. We, we did together this master's degree. You know, you just finished your mm. master's degree in college. But you're continuing mm. to want to lean in and study and mm. grow. Uh, you know, you're talking about future options as well. So why yeah. why is that? Why why are you on this learning journey? Uh, honestly, Ed, when I yeah. think back, it started with gratitude. I really yeah. truly, believe, truly believe that gratitude plants this small seed. Because what happens is, when you're giving thanks, when you're giving thanks, what you're doing is you are focusing on the grace and the goodness of God, and that it seems like a contemplative act to do. But actually, it's it becomes an activist. You become an activist. That contemplation moves you towards activism because the grace, you are so, um, you focus so much on the grace, you become, anyone who has become radically grateful becomes a radical to pass that grace on out into the world. And so it has moved me towards, here, I have so many gifts that I have been given. How can I not then move those those grace, those gifts on out into the world. How do I then not be, um, how do I not, that gratitude has actually grown me towards wanting to live a more Eucharistic life, a life that is more cruciform, a life that is formed and shaped like Jesus. Jesus who took the bread, gave thanks, and what did he do? He broke it and passed that grace on out into those into the world. That, that, Form and shape of the cross has actually become the way I want to live my life. Everything that comes down from above, that horizontal, no, that vertical beam of the cross, everything that comes down, I would then want to turn around and give thanks for, that my thanksgiving can rise up to him. Then those horizontal beams of the cross can take all the grace that he's given me and pass it on out into the world. I want to be shaped and formed like Jesus. It's a Eucharistic way of living, what he did there at the Last Supper. It's a cruciform way of living. So, um, yes, I am, I am hopeful, prayerful, actually just yesterday, Ed, when I departed from my four days in the desert, I got notification that all of my transcripts of my forms have been submitted to Talbot, applying for the doctoral in spiritual formation at Talbot. So, Lord willing, this process will only continue to continue. Oh, I love the ongoing learning. We're going to continue our conversation with Ann Voss Camp. we got one final segment. Remember, this is a pre-recorded show, so we're not taking your calls, but we're having a great conversation with 
my friend Ann Voskamp. Stay with us. There's a continuing our conversation about gratitude and Thanksgiving. back one final segment with our thanksgiving weekend show with i keep saying american thanksgiving because because ann and my family are canadian uh, as well so but american thanksgiving family it's a time of gratitude it's a time of consumption it's a time of stretchy pants um it's depending how much you ate at thanksgiving and more uh but this show is actually airing the day two days after thanksgiving we had we've had black friday and so it has been an opportunity to say you know how do we redirect from getting caught up in the things and the ways of the world, uh, Anne just shared, and we Anne just shared about her uh, coming into the program at the Tablet School of Theology to study spiritual formation, um, and we're super excited to to have you um, do that. And uh, and you know, we've got wonderful uh, with the wonderful team here is uh, you're going to go on this wonderful spiritual journey uh, with the spiritual formation program. Actually, spiritual formation is one of like the key markers of our program here at the Talbot School of Theology, one of the things I quickly learned is that we're very much out of the norm, and all of our programs have a very strong kind of spiritual uh, formation component. And in a world where we've seen a lot of pastors and Christian leaders stumble, fall, uh, maybe their ability was stronger than their character, and eventually that caught up with them. Uh, For Christians who maybe are, you know, struggling with kind of growing in maturity, and therefore maturity comes wisdom. Uh, why do spiritual formation practices, uh, why do they matter? Why do they appeal to you, and why do they matter for Christians today? Because not you know, not everyone's going to come do the demon like you're going to do at Talbot, but everyone needs to tend to the state of their soul and their spiritual life, considering how often we struggle in the world. Help, help us understand why that matters and how to respond. I think... Um... I think we we seem to, well, I'm not a pastor or maybe I'm not in lay ministry. Um, spiritual formation doesn't apply to me. Well, I would invite you to pause and think everything around us is forming us one way or the other. Everything that we read, everything on our screens, everything that uh, all of our social media that is coming at us, our music that is coming at us, everything in this world is forming us towards God or away from God, forming us to conform more into the image and likeness of Christ, or forming us malformed in a way that distorts who we are made to be. So um, what are we, what practices, we've talked about this throughout the program, Ed, what practices, what way of life do we have, whether it's getting up in the morning and what's the first thing do we turn to? Do we turn to our phones and the screens, or do we silence and still? We're talking about my way of life sacred was my acronym that first that s of sacred for me stillness do i go ahead and still all of the noise and turn my heart my attention my mind to the things of god do i open up scripture do i sit with the word and allow this word the living word of god to go ahead and form me to take captive every thought and make it obedient to christ do i let what scripture says holy text go ahead and shape me more like Jesus? Or do I not have ways, rhythms, habits of life, spiritual disciplines per se, that keep me in the word, but actually distract me away from the things of Jesus? So I would just, um, as we, I mean, really, as we move from Thanksgiving, November into the holiday season, Advent, 
the the it's really a season of reflection reflection on the end of the year advent being a time of waiting might you take time and see this this holiday season holiday holy days um as a an invitation to pause and say what what are my rhythms and practices that are forming me more into the image of Christ so that my life does look more cruciform, more shaped like a cross? Do I have rhythms that are, um, that are not about consuming the next thing, but rhythms that say what the Lord has given me is enough. He's given me Jesus. I'm going to focus and fix my gaze on him. I'm going to pick up a pen and start writing down all the things that I'm grateful for, that the Lord is at work doing good in the world. Um, the we started this program thinking about where the first time we see Thanksgiving in Scripture. We also think about um, the Israelites, not just coming with their Thanksgiving offering, their peace offering, but the Israelites at Passover. And for more than a thousand years, the Jewish people, what have they sung at their celebration feast of Passover? They sing this one word, day, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, at Dayenu, D-A-Y-E-N-U. And it literally means it would have been enough if God had brought us out of Egypt. It alone would have been enough, enough for us to be thankful for, Denu. If God had slain their firstborn and not given the, it, given us their substance, it alone would have been enough to have been thankful for. If God had parted the Red Sea for us alone and we'd walked through on dry ground, it alone would have been enough for us to be thankful for, Denu. When we get to Thanksgiving, culture would like to tell us it has not been enough for us to be thankful for what has already been given. We now move into... Black Friday, a million things we have to go and consume because we don't have enough. And maybe today, can we create even just a bit of time? Yes, sometimes there's wisdom. We need to go ahead and we want to go ahead and take the gifts and grace that we've been given and pass it on out. We want to give gifts out into the world. So there might be a point in time today where something is on sale and it's a good time to go ahead and buy it so we can be a wise stewards of the gifts that the Lord has given us. But also today, can there be a, sometime this Weekend, this season, I am going to make space to pause mm -hmm. in the chaos and the busyness and in the dark and to come before yeah, the cross, the feet of, feet of Jesus and just say, Lord, because you gave Jesus Christ your son, he alone is enough. I have a heart of gratitude because I have you yourself with me here. Communion, that's the ultimate feast. You know, it, it, there's something countercultural about that right now. Like I, it's almost like in yeah. January we should be having this conversation. Like this should be a new year's yeah. resolution. But yeah. I wanted to have you on because I think what a beautiful countercultural gospel picture it is when we actually mm. push against um, you know, and, and again, it's, we still, I mean, I was just looking over my calendar because we're planning these things. I mentioned at the beginning, kind of planning some family things because of the loss of family members and more. And I, I looked at you know, my Christmas parties I have. I got a Christmas party at church. I got a Christmas party at Biola Talbot. I got Christmas parties with family. And it was almost like, oh, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, I got, I didn't, I, I didn't turn into the Scrooge, but enough that I was like, there's just a lot. So if this is a time and somebody is hearing this conversation and they want to, want to lean into this, these spiritual practices around what is for many people the busiest time of the year. But also, I mean, there are rhythms. You've mentioned Advent several times. There are rhythms that are for you right now that you could 
take a countercultural moment and walk into a journey of spiritual formation, gratitude, and more. So how? What, what, how would you exhort them? Or maybe should they wait till January? You know, everyone right now is saying, I got an email the other day from somebody just yesterday. So, well, let's swing back around after the holidays. Should we swing back around after the holidays to talk about our spiritual formation? Or how can we lean in now? I think it's leaning in now because oftentimes we know what leads to joyfulness. Secular research will tell us that they'll have different words for it, but here's the words I will go ahead and use. They think you have to move your body. You need to exercise. You need to, they'd say you need gratitude. Well, do we need to move our hands into a posture of praise? So move your body, move your hands into a posture of praise. They would say mindfulness. I would say you need to, it's prayerfulness. Can you move your heart towards Jesus? Do you have a space and time where I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to move my mind towards Christ in prayer and then Research would say you need sleep. Um, so we, we would say we're not going to move. The, the, when we go ahead and when things start to get crazy, like during the holidays, that's the exact point in time when we actually need to do these things more, not do these things less. So I would encourage you during when we move from Thanksgiving into Advent and this time of the year, well, you can actually pick up that book, Gratitude and Beatitudes, because that is undated. You can start the practice so you're ready for January the 1st. Um, you can start the, that practice of giving thanks. You could pick up The Waymaker, and that is all about having a sacred way of life. Do you have this rhythm that starts with stillness every day, the S of sacred, and ends with D, doxology, because we get to choose doxology or dark. Or I have three Christmas books that you could pick those up and move through Advent where I'm keeping company with Christ, where I am going ahead and... He, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Do you have a way of life, a practice of life that is going to keep your mind stayed on him, whether it's giving thanks to him, whether it's going ahead and reading the scripture each day through the month of December, through Advent, this thing like, look at Jesus, the coming of Jesus was foretold all through the Old Testament. All of these stories through the Old Testament are pointing to the coming of Christ. So you are preparing your heart for he who is the greatest gift so you don't miss him on Christmas morning. What we need is these these practices that are forming us more into the image of Jesus, that are practices that are keeping our eyes fixed on the one that we are ultimately the most grateful for, Jesus Christ himself. You know, I love when Ann Voskamp talks and shares, and I love to read Ann Voskamp. And so, you know, when we mention these books, these are like books that are at our house that we have read together, Don and I have read and shared. So I really do want to encourage you, if you go to edsetzerlive.com, there's a link to all the books that we've mentioned here as well. You can also Google Ann as well. But I want to encourage you to pick up some of those books and resources. And this is the time to lean in on your spiritual formation, because if you can function counterculturally, living a cruciform life right now in the midst of the holidays, this can shape your life years to come. So lean into this right now. So thank you to Ann Voskamp for being our guest. Thanks to our behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio. Karen Hendren, uh, my producer and engineer, has been Courtney Young. To hear today's program again, you'll go to edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. Connect with us through social media at edstetzerlive. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Let's make much of Jesus the rest of this holiday season. Thanks for listening.